27. Haman's Execution Haman felt the trap tighten about him, and he desperately sought a way to save himself. If only he were alone with the king, he could yet be able to convince him that his condemnation of the Jews was based not on personal hatred, but on his patriotic interest in eliminating a danger to the kingdom. But to offer such a defense before the queen would be further inviting her wrath. He could handle even the furious queen alone, but assuring her by assuring her that his plot would never have begun if her Jewish identity were known, and that the damage could be undone by recalling the letters. But to say this in the king's presence would be an admission that personal, not national, interests had motivated him all the while. A gleam of hope appeared for him as the king furiously stormed from the room to refresh himself with a stroll in the palace garden. Haman quickly dashed over to Esther's couch to plead with her for his life. Just then the king returned and seeing him fallen upon the couch of the queen suspected the worst. It is not sufficient that you plan to kill the queen along with the people that you now stoop to such a dastardly act of murder right here in the traditional refuge of the king's palace. Haman covered his face with his hands in a last desperate attempt to ward off the king's anger. But before he could attempt a last straw-clutching plea, he heard the voice of Chavrona, one of the king's chamberlains. This is not the only treason Haman is guilty of. <clears throat> when we went to fetch him today to this banquet, we overheard him telling family and friends about his plan to hang Mordechai. What reason could be could he have for slaying Mordechai other than that he has saved the king's life from the assassination attempt of Big Son and Seresh, with whom he was probably in league? At the very moment that Mordechai was being paraded through the streets in the king's robes and heralded as the man whom the king honors, Haman was publicly displaying a gallows fifty cubits high in which he had boasted he would hang the king's savior. This was the coup de grace in the effect, in the attack on Haman. The king's wrath did not subside until his execution order had been fulfilled and Haman was hung upon the gallows he had prepared for Mordechai. Upon Haman's execution, the king gave his estate to Esther as a demonstration that he was not slain as a rebel against the king, whose assets revert to the crown, but because of his designs against the queen and her people. Mordechai now became very powerful in the kingdom since Esther had revealed her relationship to him. He was now entitled to come before the king at any time without an invitation. The signet ring, which Haman had worn, was now put in the hands of Mordechai and Esther placed him in charge of Haman's estate. Thus the power and riches in which Haman had so gloried had miraculously transferred to Mordechai in a moment. Esther was worried, however, by the king's attention to the estate of Haman and the position of Mordechai. He had yet not answered his her regarding request for undoing Haman's plot against her people. Her attention to those these other favors raised apprehensions that he was his attention to these other favors had raised apprehension that he was trying to appease her with mere gestures. She therefore spoke with the king and pleaded with him, putting forth the justice of her requests and its benefits for the king. Along with the important request to her as his favorite queen, Shalom.